1: Featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo. With your host, Patrick Moran.
2: We're just a handful of days away from the Buffalo Bills actually playing a preseason game. This summer has just went by too damn quick. What is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome To another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. Thank you, as always, for for locking in, whether you're watching this on YouTube, whether you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, I appreciate you all. Like I said, the Buffalo Bills have a game this coming Saturday afternoon. We're going to talk today. I've been to four camp practices over the last week and a half, and we're going to talk about a handful of concerns that I have based on what I saw anyway, uh, you're listening to this on Wednesday, which means as always throughout this summer, I am joined by my good friend, Anthony Marino from breaking Buffalo rumblings, part of the Buffalo rumblings podcast, big network. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I, we've talked about this before. I caught kind him. Of, I'm trying to balance. Summer slipping away versus the excitement of, uh, of a football season finally starting. You know, we go through the draft season or free agent season. Then we go through draft season and mini camp season practices are going on now. It's all the lead up to what we're about to get into. So that's always fun. But, uh, God, man, I just, I can't believe we're in the second week of <laughs> August already. It just blows my mind how fast it goes by here in Buffalo.
1: You know what? And you don't want to wish summer away. And I don't know if you were like this with your kids when they were younger. It's like you get to a certain part of the summer though, where you always say like, all right, you guys are ready. You guys are ready to go back to school. Yeah. Right. Get, get back to practice, get back to, you know, just a a regular type of schedule. Like y'all are ready. And we're just about that point here in our household. So you can, uh, you can relate, but again, you don't want to wish the summer away, but Personally, I, fall is the, the best time of year for me. Maybe it's because of football season. Just the weather is perfect in, in upstate New York. But I'm with you, man. It's going too quick.
2: Yeah, well, especially if you got kids. And I suppose even if you don't, you kind of make plans for the summer when school's over. And by this point, you've kind of done what you're going to do with the kids, for the most part anyway, in terms of like a summer vacation or just activities uh, that are going on. Yeah, I'm right. Listen. I'm ready for football. We'll be talking, like I said, today's primary topic is going to be five uh, biggest Bills camp concerns based on what I've seen over the four practices that I've been to recently. And I'll I'll get your opinions on them as well. Uh, real quick, before we get going. Uh, so we're again, I, and I always have to preface this when Anthony and I do this show, we're taping this early Tuesday morning. So this will be on, if you're watching this on YouTube, it usually premieres sometime on Tuesday night. And then the audio version will drop Wednesday. I always feel like I need to put that out there just in case something goes down, you know, that we were not talking about today. It's because it happened after uh, we recorded the show. But anyway, so I logged into Twitter this morning. That's always one of the first things I do. I don't know about you. Like, once you get up in the morning, how, how long before you check Twitter for that first time?
1: Oh, God. Pat, it's it's embarrassing to say. I mean, it's like within within a minute right i mean it's no, just you have kind of this rotation like uh, you peek at facebook quick you peek at twitter quick it's it's way too soon in the day to, to start. <laughs> it
2: it is it is insane for me too i literally wake up turn my alarm off you, you grab your phone you see if you got any notifications on yeah. it you know and then uh yeah i open up facebook real quick and then i'll open up twitter real quick anyway uh i open up twitter this Tuesday morning. And literally the first thing that I saw was, um, an anniversary <laughs> 14 years. It said, uh, and it's got that X now instead of the Twitter, uh, the, the bird tweeter, but whatever it says you joined 14 years ago today's year, the big day with others in your X community. God, they refuse to even call it Twitter anymore. Anyway, man, 14 years ago, I joined. T- How long have you
1: been on Twitter for? Yeah, it's probably been about the same. I'm trying to think when my last, Twitter anniversary was, or whatever it may have been, but it just like it, it, let's put it this way, it's been over twelve years, yeah, when you look at that part, and it just uh, gosh, just it's a weird addiction that comes with that side,
2: man it almost hey man, I agree, and a lot of bad shit goes on on Twitter, but I will say, you know, there's a reason why I've been on it for fourteen years yeah. i It's hard to remember having to do the old fashioned way which I guess in today's world, the old fashioned way is actually going out of like ESPN or some kind of website to find up to the minute, you know, sports news or pop culture news where on Twitter, something happens and you find out instantaneously right away. But yeah, man, it feels like forever ago where you had to go on websites to find out news or even worse, have to to wait for the news to come on your you know, TV or ESPN on TV or something like that. It's just crazy how much this
1: world's changing. Yeah. 14 years, man. It's been a while. But when you think about it too, though, right? It's like, and and we can talk about the bad parts. There is a lot of good. And sure. and I say that and like, listen, I live in Albany, New York, right? Mm-hmm. So when, Especially when the Bills were horrible, like there was no Buffalo Bills coverage. So if it wasn't for Twitter, you don't start to interact with people like Brian Galliford and Matt Warren and Del Reed and yourself and Bruce and Joe Marino and Joe Miller, Jay Spence, like all these folks that kind of just become a part sure. of this fandom with you that then all of a sudden you go from, I am starving for any content on the Buffalo Bills I can find to there's just an abundance of it. And it's yeah. there whenever you uh, whenever you want it. And it's there there is plenty of good.
2: Yeah, there is for sure. And you make good connections. Uh, and so not just Twitter, all social media, but primarily because we use Twitter so much. I've made some great friends because, because of Twitter. I've been able to promote and get content out because of Twitter. You know, you don't live in Buffalo. I didn't live in Buffalo for five years. You know, I started the first three years of this podcast. I actually wasn't even in Buffalo. I lived in Florida. So Twitter has always served a lot of purposes. It's just, it's kind of wild to me when I, when I think back and now I've been on it for 14 years back all the way in 2009. Um, I, I guess that's cool. Anyway, one other thing too, before we jump into, uh, today's Bill's topic, I, I, we talked about this a little bit last week because Joe Marino and I were watching Bill's practice. I know we talked about him a little bit last week. Um, since we taped last week, last Thursday night, I had Joe at Imperial pizza for our, uh, live from Imperial series. I got to tell you, dude. And and I, and I know I say this kind of often when I have a good guest on, and then I talk about it afterwards, man, I've been doing this for a while. I've been doing a bunch of these live shows. I've had a lot of good guests on Joe Marino from lockdown bills. Of course, I'm talking about the host here podcast. an excellent one. He's right up there, dude, with, uh, with my favorites that, that I've ever had on this show. And we talked about it a little bit last week. I, I told you how we were at Bill's practice and how it was kind of weird, not weird, but just people were coming up to Joe saying, Hey, yeah. I'm a big fan and getting pictures. I got to tell you. So when you watch these streams and if hopefully, you know, guys out there watching and listening, you at least check out some of them, you know, it's pretty cool to have that vibe and Imperial that live vibe sitting down. You can see some of it on camera, but some stuff you don't see on camera. And one of them last Thursday was, this is a, a popular dude. There were a lot of people there specifically, as much as I'd like to think that they were there to see me. They're not. They were there to see Joe. Um, people brought copies of his book, which by the way, I got one behind me mean, there. If you're watching a video, it's Bill's book. But anyway, they just want to meet him, hang out, get a selfie. Uh, just, you know, tell him how people were telling him how good of a job he does. It was one family that drove from Angola to, to, see the show just to meet him. Um, it was pretty wild to see, you know, I've had Stevie Johnson and John Fina on recently. And I got to tell you, Joe was probably as popular amongst fans at Imperial that night as, as any of those football players were. It's really cool to see, man. Really cool.
1: Joe, there's a, there's an approachability to him. Right. And even when you talk about someone like Fina or Stevie Johnson, you know, maybe you feel a little star truck struck, right? Like if you're engaging mm-hmm. with a, a celebrity, but you know, Joe, and I think it's like there's so many folks that fall into that same type of category, like Asel Capaccio, like Matt yeah. Perino and Ryan Talbot when they do their stuff. That you feel like you know these folks, right? Just from listening to their shows and kind of engaging with them and these communities. And, and Joe has truly established himself as that that guy. But it it must have been fun to you know, it's one thing we talk about it or you see it from the engagement online. And another thing to, to be with them in person and actually see it up close in person.
2: Yeah, yeah for sure. And look, with all due respect to, to Sal and Matt and uh, and Tim and Tyler, a lot of these great writers, there's always people there that are eager and excited to meet them too. And they're very recognizable faces. And I feel like maybe it's because they're around more that people are just sure. used to them being around. Joe living in North Carolina, coming up here for the week. I don't know, dude. It was just, it, it was, I don't say it was weird because it's been, it's well-earned. It was just a different level of, of people wanting to meet somebody that was on the show than I had seen before, and it was kind of wild. And his brother uh, David, I want to throw a shout out to him as well. He was there. I thought he lived in Buffalo, and I thought maybe Joe was coming back in part to see him. Found out his, his brother actually was in Dubai. Oh geez, I was like, that's wild. I didn't ask him why. I'm I'm assuming it's military related, service related, but um, yeah, I didn't know that. So that's pretty cool too. Another cool aspect for Joe besides being able to come to Buffalo and, you know, and, and watch some practices firsthand and go on and eat. And he was doing the whole chicken wing thing. I think he had like nine or 10 places in a week. He was going, he was doing two days, but it's also pretty cool because he gets to spend some time with, uh, with his brother. So anyway, really cool stuff. One other thing too, this past week, can't take this for granted when you get to be 98 years old, but happy birthday, Marv Levy, 98 years old. By the way, I have a, if you're watching this on the YouTube side, I, I got this a long time ago, man. This is bobblehead, it's a Kodak Marv Levy okay. Reeve- bobblehead. Um part of my small collection here that I have in my studio with Jim Kelly and Fred Samurlis. I don't know how you can well you can see them back there, but those things are old, man. They gotta be 25, 30 years old, those bobbleheads, really cool. But uh yeah, dude, Marv's still kicking in 98. Good for him.
1: You know, and it was great to see. Just uh, you know, he still got that wit to him, that sense of humor. When they were singing "Happy Birthday" to him at the the Hall of Fame dinner, yeah. and then, like you know, and you're all invited back for my 200th birthday. It's just <laughs> it, you know, I mean, to to still kind of have that that sense of humor at 98. Happy birthday tomorrow.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, so let's get down to business today. Uh, like I said, I have five. We'll call it five biggest bills camp concerns. These are things that it's a combination that I've seen with my own eyes through being at practice four times. And also look, there's a handful of people who who put out content that i follow pretty much daily, uh, during training camp, whether it's written articles, whether it's vidcast podcast, uh, whatever it be. So based on kind of what other people are talking about as well, in addition to what I've seen, I got five of them. Um, no, necessarily not, uh, you know, not one to five or five to one, kind of a little bit random. And I'm going to admit something right off the top here. This first one, admittedly, is a little bit weak. I struggled to come up with five, which maybe that's a good thing. If you're certainly a Bills fan, it is. Um, I, I, this is what I wrote down. I said, no one unexpectedly has really stood out at camp. And, and I also wrote down six players at a, for an example. And it's not that these guys have looked bad. I said, these were guys that I was really locked in on and hoping to see a little bit more of. And look, this is just practice, so let's throw that out there. Sometimes we get a lot of false impressions based on practice. When the games start, things can and will change. But these are six guys that, uh, like I said, I was hoping to to see a little bit more from um, during camp. I got Connor McGovern, Damian Harris. Khalil Shakir, and I'll talk a little bit about why. Um, Boogie Basham, Braylon Spector, Spector, and uh, one of the new receivers, Deontay Hardy. And look, that's not to say any of these guys have been terrible, not by any means, but like I was really hoping in camp, sometimes you get get those training camp darlings, whether it's some unheralded prospect, some undrafted guy that just wows you in training camp. I mean, ultimately, it usually doesn't amount to much. But I haven't seen any of that at camp. And the the guys that I just mentioned, I'm just, I don't know. I haven't seen anything from them that really stands out. I've seen some inconsistency with a couple of these guys. Uh, Like, for an example, Khalil Shakir, who, by the way, like it or not, fans, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying when the Bills start the season in three wide receiver sets, if it's not Kincaid out there with two tight ends, I think Khalil Shakir is your starting slot guy. He's taken pretty much every number one rep with the three receiver unit out there um, throughout camp. Um he looks great one practice and 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 then, then he has a couple drops it just yeah. not a great blocker uh, and you see that too. So I don't know, Joe, I just um again, admittedly my week one of these five here, I'm just no one unexpectedly has really uh stood out at camp for me.
1: You know, and you talk about it in in the first name on your list, Connor McGovern, right? And I think that's an interesting one because we knew the Bills needed to do something at right guard. They do that in free agency. That's kind of like their one big signing that they make mm-hmm. right in March. And it's just wait, is it the Jets Connor McGovern? Oh no, it's the Cowboys Connor McGovern like nothing that you came away with like any sort of a yes, we got Connor McGovern type of piece, but it's, it, it, I don't know. It's like, well, how much are we going to see from a guard in training camp as well? And I wasn't there. You were, but I tend to agree. Right. Cause then you start to hear little things Well, it's like, well, Hey, if he's struggling, I mean, if you've got Torrance and you've got Bates, like, well, you know, and then you've got Edwards too, by all stretch seems to be playing well. It's like, don't play the guy just because of his contract, but you just would like to have a little bit of faith in the front office that if you're given a three-year, $20 million contract to a guard, that that he's going to live up to that.
2: Yeah, look, I'm not saying, and again, I Joe uh, Marino and I talked about and Joe, by the way, is the one. So on last week's show that we did from Imperial, I asked him near the end of the show, I said, you know, because we, we, we spent a lot of time talking up players and good things we saw. I said, give me one or two guys where you're not necessarily disappointing, but you've, got, you've been left wanting them to see a little bit more. And that was the first guy uh, that Joe mentioned. Let's be clear. He's starting at left guard. Okay. the Period. End of story. He is your week one starter. He doesn't look terrible. And I admittedly am not some offensive line guru who can, you know, dissect techniques and how they're looking at practice. But I will say, we've read and you saw a lot of, you know, the defense looked really good. You know, Josh was under siege at practice. He would have been sacked a lot if it was live. Well, if the defensive line's getting to the quarterback, that means they're beating people, right? Yeah. And and he's been one of them. So anyway, a little bit disappointed with what I've seen. The book on him is he's a good, really good pass protector and and a pretty poor run blocker. We'll see when the games start. Again, this is just training camp. Let me hammer that home. Uh, Damian Harris, nothing against him. He looks all right. I personally like Latavius Murray better. Latavius Murray, by the way, big running back in person. You got to kind of see him in person, appreciate how much bigger he is than both James Cook or, uh, Damian Harris. Harris might start the season as a number two, but I wouldn't be surprised if Murray starts to, to get more and more involved in that role. Um, the two receivers that I mentioned, Shakir and Hardy, I think they've both been soundly outplayed by Trent Shurfield in camp based on what I saw. Um, at practice Monday, we saw one of the biggest highlights at camp. Um, Josh Allen hit um, Sherfield with, with a touchdown pass. He beat Teron Johnson by half step, made a terrific catch. I really like John Sherfield a lot, so maybe it's more that I like them than I don't like Shakir or Hardy. Uh, Boogie Basham, I don't know. It just he had a, he had a couple good plays throughout the four days. I've seen him, but he just seems like another guy that's out there. And then Specter, I thought he might be a low key. In this mix to start at middle linebacker, more on that in a second. Um, but he fell off pretty quick, and it's a two-man race now. So
1: he's one of those roster bubble guys. But when you go through that whole list, right? I mean, with the exception of McGovern, you're talking about all backups and depth, well, right? That's Shakir, but yeah, but I, I mean, even Shakir, I look at is. I mean, and I know from what you're saying, like, hey, don't be surprised if he's the guy out there. Okay, I, I believe you when when you say that. But it's also a little bit of just like, listen, if it's if Shakir pops or Hardy or Justin Shorter or Sherfield or Andy Isabella, I don't care who it is. I just need one of them to pop because Diggs is playing 80% of the snaps and so is Gabe Davis, right? And you want the depth, you want the investments to work. But to me, it's a little bit of just like, all right, Sherfield is shining. If he's if Khalil Shakir is not. No big deal, and I'm not right. like there's some fans that like have put Khalil Shakir up on this pedestal, and I do not understand why. Like the guy was a fifth round pick for a reason, right. you know. Even complaining about last year's offense, like, well, if Khalil Shakir, it's like I don't think more playing time for Khalil Shakir was the answer to the struggles that the Bills had last season. Agree, me crazy, but it just like no, right. You know, and I hope he's going to be a good player, but I'm not. You know, I'm not over the moon with my my expectations for him. I'll tell you, he's an enigma to me. Watch it and play anyway. I mean,
2: he looks really good. He runs crisp routes. He makes nice catches. And then at times he just doesn't, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It just, he doesn't look like a starter to me at times. He's not a very good blocker. You're a guy over at Buffalo Rumblings. Joe Miller is not a fan. One of the biggest, not I don't want to say fights, bickering that we had last, last Monday. Not this Monday, last Monday. It was me, Joe Marino, and Joe Miller. Is Joe Miller is not team Khalil Shakir at all, Marino's higher on him, not as high as some, but anyway, I agree. And not to get off track, as you mentioned one guy, I, I'll be remiss if I didn't say this. I said, nobody has kind of surprised me at camp. You're kind of reminding me that somebody actually has Isabella. I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he has a really good preseason and cause he's not some undrafted rookie. I mean, he's a, he was a good prospect coming out of school. Yeah. He can force his way into this mix here at wide receiver with a good preseason. This preseason is going to be big for him. I really—he looks first of all, he's fast. He run good. He run good route. He runs. He runs good routes. Um, he's behind Hardy right now on kick returns. They're kind of down to two there. He's a guy that I would look out for uh in this preseason. Anyway, all right. So let's move on. Another one I got number four, middle linebacker play. Look, this is no surprise. I could have—I didn't need to go to camp and watch this to tell you this. I could have told you this in uh. You know, after Tremaine Edmonds signed with the Bears and the Bills didn't do anything in middle linebacker, the middle linebacker play, you can see the drop off. And yeah. how you feel about Tremaine Edmonds, not you, but just fans generally speaking, you know, it's polarizing. Some people love them. some people think he was overrated. One thing that I could tell you with certainty, he's significantly better than Tyrell Dotson or Tyrell Bernard. And one of those two guys are going to be the starting middle linebacker. Um, I'm not saying the bills can overcome that position. They certainly can with some schemes and, you know, these guys can step up a little bit, but anyway, my point is you really see firsthand the lower ceiling at middle linebacker play with these two guys and what they had in Tremaine Emmons. And you got to take a loss somewhere on your roster. This is clearly that position.
1: Yeah, and this one it's so interesting, right? Because you, you even start to talk about middle linebackers, some ways, in the way that folks do about running backs, right? Like mm-hmm. ah, they're replaceable. It's not that valuable of a position. You don't want to overpay for it. This and that. But then again, right? You think of the time that we spent talking about uh, draft prospects, right? Whether it was like a the Campbell kid from Iowa, right? Of just like oh, well, are the Bills just going to invest in someone like this and have him come in and be that replacement? And they didn't and it's just like okay, Sean McDermott in his defense, we've seen how much he's put on his linebacker's plates in the past and not making that upgrade. I mean, it's just one of those pieces where you think do we just have to live with it or is there something that we don't know and once they're out there the Dotson will be fine and we'll just kind of roll with it and it'll be one of those off-season storylines we spend so much time talking about that doesn't really matter. I hope that's the case, but too early to tell. It's it is it's
2: too early to officially declare who's gonna be the starter too. I got a really strong gut that says ultimately it's gonna be Dodson who yeah. gets the start. I've not been very impressed with Bernard, who by the way, I, I might have said this on the show last week. I can't even remember at this point. He looks smaller. I know he was the smallest guy, but I mean, in person and out there, he looks smaller. Like Taylor, he's he's no bigger than Taylor Rapp. I, yeah. Like Like legit. Um, yeah, dude, I, I it's, it's just a, a weird off season when it comes to the, the position, because it's not even like the bills, as far as we know, it's, they didn't even like go out and try to really sign anybody at middle linebacker. And I mean, it's not like the front office is sitting there forgetting about the position. It was a concerted thing, obviously. So I don't know, obviously, maybe they know something That we don't, I don't know, just watching practice for four days. I just, I haven't seen any of these guys really do much of anything at, uh, at middle linebacker. So there's going to be a drop off there. Just hopefully other position, all the, the line is better up front. The secondary is better. And then maybe that makes the linebacking play or at least middle linebacker, I should say, uh, more adequate. One more and then we'll get to a break. I hate talking about the guy because he's only in year two and it's just unfair to to put a bus label on somebody this early. But I'd also be lying to you if I didn't sit here and say that it's concerning to me that Kyrie Elam has not taken that step. He is probably the most, of all the talented players on this roster, he's probably the most up and down guy that I've seen at practice, man, one game or one day, he looks up and down, makes good play, and then he gets beat bad, got called for holding. Would have been two holding plays on one drive. Just looks a little bit lost at times. Then I go to practice, the practice that um, on last Monday that Marino and I were at, he looked fantastic, man. He had a great couple reps against Stefan Diggs. Uh, he pulled Austin, the, the one of the reserve DBs, who was going to go one on one with Diggs. He pulled them off. He wanted a piece of him. They're jawing at each other. He's made some really good plays. And then at times he just falls off. You know, I, I said on the show um, a couple of days ago, using the old Roddy Rowdy Roddy Piper quote, just when you think you had the answers, I changed the questions. Well, I thought Elam was right there with Dane Jackson. And then bam, um, Christian Bedford plays way better than him at camp. And he's getting reps now alongside Dane Jackson. My, my prevalent thought when it comes to Elam is this. Is he fully developed? Is he the best player that he's ever going to be right now? Probably not. But you draft a guy, Anthony, in the first round. He's in year two. And if he's not head and shoulders above Dane Jackson, to me, that's a problem. And he's not. Dane Jackson is very likely going to start. And at this point right now, today, as we talk, I think Christian Benford has surpassed Elam on the depth chart
1: for a second straight trading camp, by the way. It's concerning to me. It is... Got you and you know how much time I've spent talking about this, thinking about this. I've been frustrated by it. You know, then there's the part of me that's just like, listen, if Christian Benford is playing great in camp, good for him, right? Re-fix, that's not necessarily an indictment. West, you know, that's not an indictment of Kyrie Elam or Dane Jackson or even the front office. If anything, it's like it's kudos to the front office. If Christian Benford has truly the skill set to be a starting cornerback in the NFL as a sixth round draft pick out of division one, AA Villanova. I know they don't call it one double a anymore. Right. So there's that piece, right? I, I still will contend. I am guessing that Dane Jackson and Kyir Elam will have some sort of a rotation at cornerback to this season. I know it probably will drive many folks crazy, but depending on the matchup, right? If it's something where there's more speed on the other team, you've got to play more man. You're going to see more Kyir Elam. If it's going to be more zone coverage, you and you know, not that type of speed on the outside. All right, then you're gonna see more of Dane Jackson.
2: Joe uh, alluded to that as well. And I, and I agree, and it is a good point. These battles that we talk about at linebacker and corner, they might not be a, you know, Dotson beat out Bernard and the competition's over, or Dane Jackson's a starter and the competition's over. This could be a week to week who the opponent is, what the matchup is, scheme based who gets in that lineup that week. You know, if the Bills are playing a team that's going to want to run the ball, Dodson's going to be in there more. If they're playing a team that's going to throw it a lot more, Benard might be in there that week. So there's
1: validity to that. Well, and here's here's some of it too, right? So you going back to middle linebacker, you look at basically three unproven commodities in that competition, right? Like we're hoping that Baylen Specter might pop. Or Terrell Bernard, who we thought was overdrafted to begin with, or Terrell Dotson, who's been a reserve on the team for the last five seasons or whatever it's been. There's no one proven there that we're looking at and saying we want to emerge. And by all accounts, no one has separated themselves really from the pack yet. As you look at this with cornerback too, it's different. And yes, we want to see Elam be the next Tre'Davious White or whatever you know, really establish himself. But these are three guys that we have seen. In NFL football games, perform at a high level. Now, Dane Jackson is a little different, right? There's probably some folks listening right now saying the soft coverage with him playing off, just the like, hey, we'll let you catch the seven yard pass and then we're going to wrap you up. That was by design. That's what the team was looking to do. So, you know, it's a little bit with this. I guess what I'm trying to say is these are three guys that we've seen perform before in some way, shape, or form. So, I'm a little bit trying to like talk myself off the ledge with it because it's not just this, well, they're all completely unproven and no one's establishing themselves and they just keep rotating them around. I I have to say back to Elam,
2: being at camp, the four practices I've seen, I, I think it's a comfort level they have with Dane Jackson. And that's why I think he's ultimately going to be the starter. Because I got to be honest with you, I'm not Dane Jackson's not popping. There's, a, there's probably not a practice that goes by where he doesn't give up a big player, too. Now, in fairness, in practice, where the quarterback can't get touched, he's not getting rushed. He knows he's not going to get hit. That's in his mind. He's not. So you got to cover guys longer. It's harder on a DB at camp. I'm just, I'm not seeing anything from Dane Jackson special other than the fact that I just think that Sean McDermott trusted more. I just, I don't know what it is about Elam. And again, it's too early to write somebody off, but you have to be somewhat alarmed that he's in year two. That he's just not playing head and shoulder. I keep going back to it. He should be way better than Dane Jackson, and he's not. That concerns me, man. Um, Benford playing well, a six-round pick, it happens. That's good. By the way, that's good for a Bills fan. Yeah. You know, you got a guy out there who's playing well. I don't know, man. I just I, I feel like if the Bills, you know, they got a preseason game on Saturday. Let's pretend they're opening the season against the Colts right now. I think. Kyrie Elam is your fourth corner, which may not even get you dressed. He might be a healthy, inactive scratch if this were if week one were this week. That concerns me. I don't like that. Good God,
1: man. I I hope you are wrong.
2: I do you too. I mean,
1: just from a like, you know, and I and I know what you're I know what you're saying. It's um yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. And honestly, it's like Benford seemed like he was kind of out of the race until the past two days. And then all of a sudden, he's getting the first team reps. And when they did it, whatever it must've been on Sunday. And it was like, Oh, we had a good day. Well, you know, there were no pads, this and that you're thinking to yourself, okay, well maybe is it a good day, but it's a little bit of a lighter practice, but then he comes out on Monday. So it's just, I don't know. I am trying to, I'm trying to, in my rose colored glasses, look at this as a good problem to have. And it kind of going back to the Kyle Williams, John McCargo example, which like, thank God that was all happening before the days of Twitter or like, you know, you think of like just the, the venom and vitriol that would have been there. But if, uh, yeah, we'll just wait and see, man. We're driven by
0: the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed Learn more at marines.com.
2: All right. I'm back with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumley's who desperately wants Kyrie to become a good NFL quarterback. That is pretty obvious right now. All right. I got two more and let me preface this too. Hopefully these two end up meaning very little in the regular season. Okay. Number one. Well, number two on my list. The first one I should say, the office, the offensive line depth as a whole is pretty good. Like I think the interior depth is really good, which, by the way, again, we're talking about concerns, and I pointed out what a good camp Sherfield's having. I also want to say I like what I've seen from, from David Edwards, too, the, the sure. free agent signing from the Rams. I think he's going to be good depth on the inside. But anyway, the offensive tackle depth, dude, alarming is an understatement. Okay? So you got Deion Dawkins, and you got – um Spencer Brown and we all know, you know, the questions about Spencer Brown about being fully healthy for this year and just what happens if he's, you know, doesn't doesn't play well for whatever reason. The Bills probably to me the most under the radar thing that that made me uh concern about this team throughout the entire offseason wasn't middle linebacker. It was that they really I feel like they didn't do enough to to address offensive tackle behind Spencer Brown who's still a little bit of a risk. Anyway, from what I've seen in camp, David Quisenberry, who exclusively is playing left tackle in camp, by the way, behind uh, Dawkins. And then uh, Brandon Shell, who they signed over from Miami, is playing behind Spencer Brown. Both these guys, terrible. They have looked brutal. Brutal. I would, if this was a, an article instead of a podcast, brutal would be in all caps. They have looked terrible. And Tommy Doyle, I don't know if he's just not all the way back healthy, whatever, I was hoping to see more from him. Not seeing it at this point anyway. The offensive tackle death right now, or Anthony, is it, it,
1: brutal, man. Bad. It is tough too because you think of just the state of offensive tackle in the NFL. I mean, David Questenberry and Brandon Schell are guys that have started a lot of games yep. in the league, right? So this is not something where you're just looking and saying, oh, it's a six-round rookie that we're trying to coach up or an undrafted free agent. I mean, here are guys that again, have each started, I think, over 60 games um, mm-hmm. in their respective time with the Titans and with the Dolphins. I mean, it's kind of an indictment, I think, to the position in itself. Like, yeah, maybe we would have liked them to make more of an investment, but at what expense? I mean, something in the draft, maybe. Like, you know, But was there somebody there that you're going to get in the the third round that really could provide some depth that you would feel good about, or would it just be, again, third, fourth, fifth-round tackles – you know they're they're raw for a reason, so you look at it, you hope it's something that never even comes up in conversation. I mean, heck, we saw Bobby Hart play meaningful snaps last year for the Buffalo Bills. You have a quarterback, and Josh Allen sometimes holds on to the ball a little bit more than you would like. um you know, with this, you'd like to see some more of those like quick strikes, and maybe Dalton Kincaid helps get you some of that that it becomes a little bit more of a moot point than it than it needs to be. But right now, it's just like, listen, Deion Dawkins, you know, kind of day-to-day right now with an injury doesn't seem to be too big of a deal, Yeah. at least according right. to, I think it was Matt Perino said last night that um, Spencer Brown had one of his best days of camp yeah. on on Monday. So, you, you know, you look at those things and it's just like, listen, as long as these two are okay, and then if it comes something where they end up missing some time, well, maybe Dawson Knox is doing some more blocking than you need to, or you... You know, do some more of those jumbo packages where you have another offensive tackle on the field like Bobby Hart was last year. You, you hope that's not the case, but just like for now, let's just make sure that those two guys are good to go.
2: I think it's underrated. People underrate how important Spencer Brown's going to be to this team this year. yeah, uh, how he plays, staying on the field first and foremost, and how he plays is going to be huge when it comes to the Buffalo Bills and how successful that offense ultimately looks by the way, I I've, from what I've seen. Um, and again, I don't focus on the offensive line all that much. Although we're spending a lot of time talking about them today. I like what I've seen from Spencer Brown at camp. Um, I, I think he's looked pretty good. Maybe Brandon shell could potentially get the job done short term. I'm, I'm all out on Quisenberry. you know, this might be a position where the way where Brandon Bean pays a lot of attention than a waiver wire, come NFL cut down day. I just don't like it. I don't like the offensive line depth. You could just see, even in drills, when the starters aren't in there and the backups are in, just how easily, you know, Shane Ray has looked like Vaughn Miller going against some of these backup offensive tackles. Seriously, in camp, and it's noticeable too. Um, It's just, it's not good at that position. So hopefully it doesn't even end up mattering. You got two tackles who can stay healthy, which brings me to number one. All right, so I used the word brutal to describe the offensive tackle depth. He's a nice guy. I, I don't like talking mean about nice people. By all accounts, Kyle Allen is a really good dude. He's Josh's boy. I get to an extent why they signed him to an extent. But I got to tell you, man, ugh, Anthony, Kyle Allen and Matt, Bar- Matt Barkley. So I used brutal. I'll use this word to describe Kyle Allen and Matt Barkley. What I've seen from them at camp, ready? Garbage, absolute garbage. I've been going to camp for a long time. Some practice, some years I see more camp practices than others, and these guys, mind you, are mostly in shorts and, and t-shirts throwing the football. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen worse quarterback play in my camp viewing career than I've seen. From Kyle Allen. Now he did have, I wasn't there, but I did read he had a couple of nice plays at practice on Monday, but I'm telling you, man, I've watched this dude four times and sometimes so they wear red jerseys. Okay. And you're trying to watch five different things at once at camp because it's a long field. They got a lot of shit going on at once. And you don't even have to look at the quarterback who's throwing the football. Like just watch the football. You could tell when Josh is throwing a football, you could see the, the velocity on the ball. The other two, is it's not in the same stratosphere, and the accuracy is just not there. Kyle Allen threw two of the ugliest interceptions I've ever seen at practice a couple of days ago. He just, it is hard to watch the offense for the most part. Not even the 11 11-on-11 11 or 7-on-7. Seven seven. I'm talking about just throwing drills to the wide receivers, 15-yard outs, and stuff like that. If you can't look good in t-shirt and shorts, Uh, You're going to have some problems. This is, dear God, Josh Allen, stay healthy. I mean, to be fair, you can say the same thing about Mahomes and all the other great quarterbacks, too, if they go down. So it's nothing unique going on here in Buffalo. Dude, it's bad. Quarterback play behind Josh in this camp,
1: maybe the worst I've seen. You don't like that. Yeah, here, here's what I'm going to and Listen, now one, I wasn't there, right? So I didn't see it. You might be like, Anthony, if you were there, you would be cringing. I'm old enough to remember you people would. overreacting to Case Keenum and what he was last year, Mitchell Trubisky, the year before, and so on and so forth. And it's like these guys are backups for a reason, right? If Josh Allen goes down, the bills are screwed. I don't care who, like who else the backup quarterback would be unless if Ryan Fitzpatrick came out of retirement, right? Like other than that, there is no one that I look at across the NFL and say, oh man, I wish they made an investment in Teddy Bridgewater, right? Or like the the money that that would have cost for where the team is in a Super Bowl window. And I get it. It's just, you got to just make the playoffs, but I am not planning the season on if Josh Allen gets hurt. I just feel like that is a scenario. Of course. So it's it's a little bit of look at how far we've come. If your biggest concern two weeks into training camp is that the backup quarterback sucks, agreed. I'm good with that, man. I remember freaking, you know, uh, you know, charting and looking at Joe Biscalia's breakdown of like, oh, what Jeff Tool was 17 for 23 in practice today. Like, I remember those days of just like hoping that Thad Lewis would pop and be a yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with where things are right now. Do I wish he looked better? Of course I do. Right. Like that's, that goes without being said, but Josh Allen goes down. The bills are screwed anyway. So Kyle Allen, Matt Barkley, whoever bring back case Keenum. It's not going to, it's not going to make a big difference. It's
2: funny you say case Keenum. I want to throw a tweet up real quick. I put this out yesterday. I don't think people really liked it much, but I said, I'm wondering if case Keenum ends up back with the bills. It's possible. The Texans have Stroud and Davis Mills may not keep three quarterbacks on their active roster. Keenum can want to choose to come back to Buffalo and be the quarterback two rather than the practice squad in Houston, more money for him and potentially, you know, a, a better opportunity. Look, I'm not a case Keenum guy. Uh, I agree with you. I remember last year as well, but I'm telling you this, he looks significantly better than I've seen Kyle Allen. Look, I'm just throwing it out there. You're right. He goes down the The ship sinks. I completely get that. I just, you know, and that's if it's a major injury, dude. I just don't have any any faith whatsoever right now in these quarterbacks. Even if, say, Josh has to miss two games for whatever reason, I just. You're right. By the way, we're at a point now where backup quarterbacks your biggest concern on a team. That's a good thing, you know. I I tweeted out something. Anquan Bolden. In fact, as we tape this, he signed with the Bills. His first practice was six years ago. This is how far the Bills have come in six years. He There's a photo, and I put it up on Twitter. The most miserable look on his face ever. And he retired literally less than two weeks after his first yeah. practice with the Bills. So this team's come a long way. And I do agree. The fact that we're talking backup quarterback right now is a, uh, is a good thing. I'm just saying, dude, Kyle Allen's... <laughs> It's ugly. It's ugly. Yeah, you, I wish you would see this with your own eyes because maybe you would have a little more conviction um, in your takes right now. So let me, ask,
1: let me ask you a question, though. Is there a part of this that is because, like, listen, you're, you're out there and you're watching Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I mean, who has a howitzer for an arm. I
2: sure. mean,
1: everything he does is amazing, right? At least when it comes to the physical talents of a quarterback in the NFL. You can argue he is the most naturally whatever physically gifted QB in football. Mm-hmm. Whoever you put after him, it, it's obviously not going to look good. And I know we're talking about accuracy in different pieces, but you're talking about velocity in different pieces. I mean, are Barkley and Kyle Allen just like? Yeah, that's what a backup quarterback's arm looks like. If it, you know, I don't know. I'm just trying to make you feel better. I think, and I, I'm doing a. Crap job! <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, you, you are right. Look, anyone compared to Josh, well, not
2: anyone, but most compared to Josh are, are going to pale badly in comparison. And I kind of, you know, I, I put that into my equation. I just do the second team offense. Out, it just, it, it's not even the full padded eleven on eleven. It's just the throws during drills, and not even the velocity, their the velocity, the accuracy as well. Anyway, we're spending far too time talking about a backup quarterback. But, and hopefully it doesn't come down to it. By the way, Josh Allen, um, the NFL top 100 players list, that came in the top 10. He came in at number eight. So that's pretty cool, man. to have a top 10 guy. I don't have in front of me who the top seven were. I don't have all of them anyway. I know Jalen Hurts was ranked above him. And I'm not the kind of guy who bitches about stuff like this much. But I don't think Jalen Hurts should be put up above him based on just uh. One season, but anyway, you got a top 10 player in the entire NFL. So, if anyone out there is like the Bill Super Bowl windows closed, no, it's not. No, and by the way, Stephon Diggs was 16, so they had two of the top 20. Um, and yeah. that I gotta say, Joe DiBiase from WGR had the uh, the hater tweet of the week. I don't know if you saw it. So, Josh is number eight. The top two players, I don't know who's one or two. I think it's Mahomes. Mahomes is one, and Justin Jefferson is two. I know they're the top two, I'm not quite sure which order. Joe DiBiase, of course, had to point out that number one and two in the entire NFL, the Bills traded away draft rights to both of them. They traded away the ability to draft Mahomes when they could have had him, and they traded four digs. Again, it's a hater tweet, I admit it. Kind of funny. but though. You know
1: what? I mean, let, let's be honest, though. <laughs> I, I think all Bills fans are at this point. I don't look back at anything and think if the Bills drafted Patrick Mahomes at that time, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like the combination of him with Andy Reid has worked.
2: I and absolutely. good for him,
1: and good for the Chiefs, and for their fans. I would not trade Josh Allen for Patrick Mahomes today. I would not. And you know what? As great as Justin Jefferson is with what he's doing in Minnesota, I could not be happier with Stephon Diggs. Like, Yeah, a few years ago, it would be a little bit more of like, well, hey, if you had Patrick Mahomes instead of Josh Allen and Tradavius White or this – To me, that conversation is done. So listen, I get Joe putting it out there, but
2: it's it's not a,
1: it's not a, I don't think there's anyone in Bill's mafia that would trade Josh Allen for Patrick Mahomes today, nor, you know, Joe Burrow or any other quarterback in football. It was a hater tweet. Just
2: thought it was kind of funny. I'll tell you, I've been saying it for two years. If I'm the bills, I wouldn't trade Josh Allen for Mahomes. If I'm the chiefs, I'm certainly not trading Mahomes for Josh Allen either. Yeah. So it kind of goes both ways. I don't know. I'm happy with Josh. Let's just leave it there. And plus if the bills don't trade for digs, who says they draft Jefferson? Maybe they draft Jalen Rager and he turns out to be a bust. And if they take Mahomes in 2017, they don't have, who's the coach who, who, who's around him? What support system does he have around him? Who are the receivers? He ain't got no Travis Kelsey in Buffalo either. You know what I mean? So who knows? He would have been a great player, but who who knows anyway, it was just a, a fun hater tweet um, from him. Couple minutes, then we're going to get going with our finish the sentence uh, segment to end the show. So I'm talking about things that concern me. I, I wanted to bring up one or two things, too, that I'm really enjoying. Um, we've talked about, I've talked about Gabe Davis. We did a whole show last week saying Gabe Davis dominating camp. He looks really good. And I've been the two practices since their show last week. Continues to look good. Consistently good. Um, Dalton Kincaid, I think, is looking smooth, effortlessly. He looks good. I didn't see it on Monday, but from all accounts, he made like the best catch of the entire training camp. I think he's going to be a day one impact guy. We throw a name at you that also has been really impressive. Not talked about quite as much because you talk about the pass catchers and Josh. James Cook looks really good. And I haven't really talked about him much. He looks explosive. He's got that Le'Veon Bell kind of patience. And then that acceleration He's catching the ball out of the backfield. He looks really good running routes. The guy that we hoped uh, we'd see out of Georgia two years or last year, he's looked at in camp and there's no running back by committee. And I know some people are going to sit here and say that it's going to be a lot of cook or a little bit of cook and a little bit of Harris and a little bit of Murray. No, it's not. James cook is going to be your feature guy. Like if you're, if you play fantasy football out there, draft this dude early. I'm telling you, I think he's going to have a big season. He looks really, really good at camp this year.
1: Well, I just – uh, my latest show just came out earlier this morning, mm-hmm. and I honestly said, like, I'm driving the hype train for the three guys you just mentioned, Gabriel Davis, Dalton Kincaid, and James Cook. Yeah. And when it comes to Cook, in some ways it's just like, listen, just give him the ball. And I don't say that meaning, like, become run heavy or this and that. I don't care if it's a dump-off pass or him lining up at receiver or whatever it is. But when he gets the ball in his hands, and I think the Lev Bell comparison is a great one, right? He's got some patience, and then he goes. And once he takes off, something good always seems to happen when he's got the ball. So we have seen enough of a rotation at running back, whether it's, you know, when not since Lashawn McCoy left. But then it's you know you got Singletary and Frank Gore, and then you've got Singletary and Zach Moss, and. You add in Naheem Hines to the mix and then you add James Cook to the mix. And you've got, you know, just this rotation where you're not really committing to someone, but along the same lines where you're not really giving them enough touches. And and I think with Cook now, and maybe, you know, maybe the injury to Hines is a little bit of a blessing in disguise of just like there's no one to compete with him yeah. in that sense and what he can do. So let's see him get after it. And I'm excited to see him be that lead back for the Bills. And like, yeah, Damian Harris will be sprinkled in or Latavius Murray and those guys will bring something different. But for what this offense needs, I hope he's getting somewhere around 15 touches a game between the rush and the pass.
2: He will. I I I think he I think he'll play more snaps this year than Devin Singletary did the last couple of years. I, I just hope- like him a lot. And I'll tell you, man, to summarize the offense. If the offensive line can stay healthy, and if Spencer Brown looks good, and if Connor McGovern looks good, it's endless. I I Stephon Diggs is Stefan Diggs, and I'm telling you, Gabe Davis, I can't emphasize enough how good he looks. He's going to have a good year. I love Kincaid. We just sleep on Dawson Knox. It's like we don't even talk about Dawson Knox anymore. He's at a way above average tight end, and I really love James Cook. This offense looks really, really good to me at camp. And defensively, the the one player I want to talk about on defense, you know, we spent so much time, when is Vaughn getting back? Or we're talking about the middle linebacker competition and we're talking about uh, the cornerback competition. One guy who I think is quietly, looks amazing in camp, winning all of his drills, creating havoc out there. He's going in the year three, Gregory Rizzo. I think this guy is had a fantastic camp. He would be your unsung hero, maybe, if that's the right uh, award I'd come up with for training camp right now. Because he's just consistently looking like a stud out there. And you got Vaughn Miller coming back and you got Leonard Floyd. So he's going to get, he's going to be fresher and he's not going to get double teamed because of those other two guys, too. And at Oliver. I, I do it. would not surprise me if he, you know, he had the high ankle sprain last year. I could see Rizzo
1: having 12 sacks this year. No, and it would be, it would be great. I mean, you talk about him, he's got the right character, he's got the right personality, but then you just look at his, his sheer size out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's six, seven, the long arms, he's getting bigger. He is dynamic and it's just, and even he said in his press availability earlier in the week, like talking about, Hey, you know, sometimes you have a good game and you don't get any sacks and sometimes you don't play so well and you luck into some like, but that's, that's okay. Right? Like this is a guy that is active. He's got a high motor. He doesn't give up on the play. And when that happens, sometimes you might luck into some of those sacks because you just keep going. Good for him, man. And to see that consistency going into year three, that's what you hope to get with a first round pick. But for him to be drafted that late and to be showing that consistency, even you know piggybacking off of last year, he's going to be a good one. There
2: it goes. So I turned five big, biggest Bill's concerns into we're about to see breakout seasons from, from James Cook and uh, Gregory Rizzo. There, we did it. I'm the hero. All right, let's finish with our uh, finish the sentence segment. We do this every week. I'm going to throw out four uh, blanket statements, and and you're simply going to finish the sentence. It's an opportunity for fans who are watching and listening just to know a little bit more uh, about the two of us. Let's get this going here. All right. The first sports jersey I can remember owning was blank.
1: James Lofton. And it was a Christmas gift from my parents. I'm trying to think. like you know before before that when i was younger like jerseys wasn't really a thing i i can't think of something before then that i would have had so you know right. like you said the first one i can remember owning buffalo bills number 80 james lofton that first jersey i had a christmas gift from my folks are you a jersey guy like do you wear jerseys often no i don't and it's one of those things that you even said like you know you've got some and they sit in a drawer but you know from my uh paul poslozny jersey to my marcel darius <laughs> to you know others that just even just end up in the uh you know at the bottom of a drawer because the guys you know flamed out or or got traded i'm not a big jersey guy anymore. me neither me neither at all i was gonna say i'm gonna preface this by
2: saying i've probably only had about three or four bills or just jerseys in my life i'm not a jersey guy and I never have been. Mine was Thurman Thomas. So I do remember having a Thurman Thomas jersey. And I'm talking about while he was playing too, not, yeah. you know, a legend of the game afterwards. I had a Thurman Thomas jersey. Besides that though, I know I had an Eric Moles jersey. Um, I had a Derek Jeter Yankees jersey at one time. And and then I have a Josh Allen jersey and I didn't buy the Josh Allen jersey. My daughter gave it to me a couple years ago as a Christmas gift yeah, I'm not a Jersey guy. I just they look really good on other people for but for whatever reason, I just always hated the way they uh they looked on me. But so let me dirty. say
1: this. do you and I don't know if you used to do this, but we used to have a champion outlet not far from where I grew up in Rochester, mm-hmm. and I would go there, you know, and this is at the time before anything was Nike or you know jerseys were a big deal. And they would just have a either a bin of sweatshirts or sometimes jerseys. And I remember through digging through and finding like a perfect champion Steve McNair jersey that I bought for three dollars. And <laughs> uh and I would just have that, I would wear it at college, and it was just like you know, you're in upstate New York. How many Air McNair jerseys do you see on right. campus? But that was that one was a go-to for for me. So not my first jersey I had, but kind of one of those more random ones that you would uh you would pull out and everybody would know it was me. You know, you talked about
2: how you get some jerseys and they always end up at the bottom of your drawer because the player fizzles out or gets traded or cut or whatever. I like going to practices or games and seeing kind of obscure jerseys. Shout out to a guy I seen at practice the other day with his uh Van Roden jersey on. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I was figuring assuming he's related to the guy or something. But uh anyway. All right. A movie everyone's seen but me. Is
1: blank. Titanic. Really? You never, never seen it never seen it. Never will. Uh-huh. Too long. Too whatever. Like I have no no need. I remember like the whole craze when like the entire world was going to see it. And I thought about it once. And then it was just like, like uh-huh. you know, when I was a single guy at the time, I'm like, what am I going with my buddies to watch Titanic? Like that doesn't that doesn't seem like something that we would do. So I've never seen Titanic.
2: All right, I, I did see it at at the time, my girlfriend at the movie, or at the drive-in, actually, we've seen it together. Your inclination was right, because the shit was whack. It was a stupid movie. I, I absolutely hated it. Mine is, well, I got two. Any Star Wars movie, other than the original. I've never seen The Empire Strikes Back. I've never seen any of the Star Wars movies, except the original at the movie theater. I think it was like five years old. Uh, my mother took me. I don't remember the movie, but I remember going to the movies to see it. Probably the first movie I've ever seen in my life, actually, um, in in a theater. And then the other one is Saving Private Ryan. And it's not because I don't think it would be a great movie. I just, I don't know what it is, Anthony. For whatever reason, I don't like watching war movies. I don't like watching movies about war. I don't know why. Maybe I I grew up as a kid horrified that I was going to join the military, get drafted in the military, and be in a war. I'm soft. Shout out to everyone, all you heroes out there who do serve. I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm, I'm soft. I'm a sissy. I want nothing to do with it. So anyway, I just, I don't like watching war movies. So I've never seen Save a Private Ryan. I never saw one?
1: Saving Private Ryan either. And I always thought with that one, it just, uh, you know, sometimes there's movies that you just know are going to be really emotional. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and you go through with that. And usually I go to the movies to... To escape, you know, and sometimes like, yeah, you'll be watching something and you know, there will probably be something that pulls at the heartstrings or whatever type of sure. piece. But with things like that, it's just like, I, I don't know if I have uh, you know, when you think of that level of heartbreak to just be able to invest yourself in something and come away from uh, yeah. just having that that feeling inside so i never saw that one either if it makes right. you feel better well, the star wars stuff that's going to be another conversation i think for another day because i don't know how <laughs> you could grow up in the 80s or whenever and, and not be a part of that culture but that's uh, another
2: topic this category should have been called the movie everyone's Seen except me and anthony and then we could have said save a private ride it took everything i had to be able to go see american sniper which is kind of long Those same lines. I did see that. um, And it was good, too, anyway. All right. Two more here. A TV show, past or present, I think is very underrated, is blank.
1: Community. Um, Community, which was on NBC with uh, Joel McHale, Chevy Chase, Donald Glover, Danny Pudi. Um, To me, when that show first came out on NBC, I fell in love with it from the first episode. And I remember seeing the commercials and just being like, this looks hysterical. And it was, and even still rewatching the show today during the pandemic, started watching it with the kids and they fell in love with it too. It's a show that still holds up every year. It was on the chopping block. Like is NBC going to cancel community? Mm -hmm. Fans would have to, you know, get into everything. I mean, still the hashtag six seasons in a movie became a rallying cry of the cast. Um, And now the writer's strike has put a little kink in the plan, but it is still Going to be moving forward that they will do a community movie which will be on peacock but for me i absolutely love that show we talked before i know you're a huge fan of the office you think of the affinity that people have the shows like that and parks and rec and that's totally fine and i get it but compared to those community uh to me was such a better show and just the character arcs and everything with it still love it to this day
2: it's a great pick and you want to talk about underrated? I never even thought of that. That's a really good pick. I agree with everything you said. That was a great show. Um, I mine is Newsroom uh, on HBO. It only went three seasons, man. That was such good storytelling about the media. You know, everyone talks about Succession and this conglomerate media series, drama series. Newsroom was awesome and only lasted for three seasons. Jeff Daniels who was a, usually played this, you know comedy goofy type characters. Most people know him from Dumb and Dumber. You know. Uh, He was brilliant in this. So that was one. And then another one, and I'm pretty sure you liked this too. Shit's Creek. Now I know it's popular. So it's not like completely under the radar, but this show should get a lot more love than it does. You know, people are like, it's a nice show. It's a cute show. This show to me was up there uh, among the best. It's just a feel good, tender show that's funny. And you know, you got David who played, you know, he's a gay character. And one of my favorite things about this show is nobody gave a shit in the town. And Shit's Creek, it wasn't even like, You know, a lot of shows where there's gay characters and they have to overcome hate from from groups and stuff like that. None of that on this show. Nobody in that town even gave a shit. It wasn't even it didn't even matter. And I love that about that show. I I just it's one of those all time feel good shows for me. And if people haven't watched that, I'm telling you, man, you're missing
1: out. Go go and watch it, including you, I right? haven't I haven't watched it. Remember Dude. one of our first episodes? That was the That's show, right. That's what I remember. That I have not that I have not watched yet. And my Ended wife and in. I, we were talking about it the other day. We had to. Change we finished it. up the latest season of Jack Ryan last night, which I cannot say enough great things about. John Krasinski just absolutely kills it in that role. But um, but Shit's Creek, it's on the list. I promise you to for us to start. You got to watch it. I'm telling you, it's really worth it. All right, last one here. The
2: dumbest fad you remember participating in was blank. Uh,
1: God. And and again, like you try to think to these things, like what did, what did we call it back in the day? Do they call it like white walls with your hair where you would like, just, you'd sort of like shave this part right here on each side and maybe throw like a line or two in. But I participated in it, but I didn't like fully commit to the bit. You know, it was a little bit like, eh, just do it like this high, just a little bit. And it was sort of there. And it was just, uh, it was one of those pieces that everyone like that was the fad. And when you were growing up and just a bad eighties haircut to begin with and just made it even worse. So
2: I swear to you, good people out there watching and listening to this. I didn't know Anthony's answers and he doesn't know mine. Same thing. Same exact thing. It was the buzz cut, you know, fade, which isn't all that sort of different than what you see now, but yeah, but here's what we did and I'll add a layer to it. So I played football, off yet high school, senior year. And the fad was the players would take the side of their, you know, the buzz hair and they would take, they would shave something in, like you said, a line. Yeah. We, we would write our football number on our side of our head. It's so corny and stupid and whack now thinking about it. At the time, we thought it was cool though. And I had, uh, I think I had number 85. It was my junior year, not my senior year because I remember it was 85. I wore 85 my junior year, three was my senior year. 85 was shaved into my head and it was uneven. Like I had one of my friends do it and it looked so freaking terrible that I ended up having to shave, completely shave with a razor, the side of my hair. So I had my hair here, but not here. But yeah, that was the worst fad ever. Football players writing their numbers on the side of their buzzed uh, head. <laughs> I, I hope you have a picture of that anything. someplace that I you don't. can pull
1: out for a future episode.
2: I don't, because if I did, trust me when I tell you, man, I would completely call myself out. <laughs> that is hilarious. I can't believe you pretty much said the same thing that uh, that I did. Good stuff. All right. We're going to get out of here. That's going to do it for this episode. Make sure you follow Anthony on Twitter at Athmarino. Check out the Buffalo Rumblings podcast, VidCast Network. Check out his show specifically, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. Uh, I'm going to be hanging out with a couple of uh, your Rumblings people over this weekend. Uh, Joe Miller, John Fiena is going to be back in town. Uh, Sarah Larson, we're spending some time with her as well. Looking forward to that. Thanks for doing the show, buddy. Awesome. Always a pleasure. All right, guys, I'll be back. You know what I was going to say on Friday for sure, but I'm not even sure. But I will be back with a new episode soon enough. So uh, stick around. Take care.